0: Hi, and welcome to Versations, Klein ISD's podcast about all things teaching and learning. I'm Monica Schallenberger, and I'll be the host for each episode, and my guest will be rotating educators from all over our school district. This podcast is for anyone wanting to expand their knowledge about teaching and learning and here are conversations about the journey of educators being joyful, reflective, transparent, and deliberate about applying their learning to transform the world. Today's episode guest is Antoinette Hernandez. She's a product of Klein ISD and began her career at Klein Forest High School in 2004, where she taught world history and algebra. She was asked to be the student council advisor by the end of that year, and the rest is history. Over the last 14 years, she's helped her students to receive state recognitions, national recognitions, state officer positions, and impact their campuses in a positive way. As an individual, she's been named the Eddie Bull State Advisor of the Year, a finalist for the Warren Scholl National Advisor of the Year, is a leadership consultant for the Texas Association of Student Council and works on staff for the NASSP LEAD Conference and the Prudential Spirit of Community Awards. Along with training student leaders on her campus and across the nation, she also works to train advisors. She was named Klein Forest Teacher of the Year and Klein ISD Secondary Teacher of the Year in 2011, and was Klein Kane High School's first ever Teacher of the Year in 2018. I love this conversation with her as she talks about the high expectations she has for students, the ability to push them to want more than the average, and how motivating students to be better can alter their life paths. Here's our conversation now. All right, so let's get this podcast party started. Welcome, Antoinette, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on here because of all the things you're doing in our district and for our kids at Klein Kane High School. So I'll go ahead and just dive right into our theme for today, which is just leadership and high expectation for learners and really hitting on the whole learner and what teachers can do on campuses to invest in their students. So we will start off with our usual celebration from the district in connection to teaching and learning or at your school.
1: Okay. um, So big celebration for, I I just want to kind of shout out to my kids for student council. Um, We're only in our second year and we've already uh, received sweepstakes for Outstanding Student Council. Um, And this is our first year to actually apply for the National Council of Excellence. So even in our second year, um, our babies are just like flourishing and doing great things. So we're hoping to get that distinction by the end of April. Um, So that's a big celebration for us.
0: I know you're a big part of that too. And I know the kids in this DUCO program are such great leaders on this campus. All right, so we'll dive right in. As I said in our bio, you teach student leadership, AVID, and Algebra 1, which is a whole host of preps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I think AVID is one of those courses that people really hear On secondary high school campuses, specifically in Klein ISD, and I'm sure other places too. And they know it's a college and career readiness class, but they really don't understand the depth of it. And I didn't understand the depth of it until I became the associate principal here and got to be involved with you. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is way bigger than just a class that guides kids. So for people who are listening and don't know what the course is, can you just give like a brief description to what it is? So
1: um, AVID is an acronym that stands for advancement via individual determination. Um, And it focuses, when I first started this, about 12 years ago, it focuses on kids who are in the middle. Um, And now it's really gone outside of the classroom to make sure that campuses are college and career ready for all students. So it doesn't just focus on the kids who are in the class. However, the kids who are enrolled in the class get one-on-one attention on their grades, um, setting them up for success, uh, teaching them um, college and career readiness specific to what they want to go into, um, college and career exploration. We do college field trips We have speakers from different careers come in to talk to them. We work with them and their families one-on-one in um, planning for what is to come, financial aid, um, what that's going to look like, uh, and then just making sure that they're completely ready, working with their counselors as well, to have a four-year plan of them being successful once they leave. Um, and challenging
0: them to do uh, and take more rigorous courses yeah it's an incredible course and I just I know it's been around for a long time right mm-hmm. yes yeah, since the 80s yeah which is crazy it, I never even heard about this class. When yes I was in it's school. an
1: international program and I was invited to do that uh, 12 years ago and I was like wow this I wish I had had it yeah. when I was a student at klein Oak because I was a first generation college kid and me and my family would have appreciated all of the help that yeah. these kids
0: get. And I think any most teenagers anyways need some kind of structure and I love that it gives them that extra help. In school, and it's in the structure of their day. Yes. So you said that it focuses on kids in the middle, and it's moved more. It's moved in addition to that to getting the whole campus college and career ready. Yes. And so when you think about that, especially because it's now a part of our testing accountability. Yes. <laughs> um, have you worked with administration at all in terms of getting the campus ready? And what's a couple of things that you've done as the avid teacher on this campus? Right. So um, we've definitely.
1: Uh, had different professional developments where Avid and our site team have been able to present to um, faculty because Avid strategies are just good teaching strategies mm-hmm. that every kid should be able to learn from, and it it's um, with writing, inquiry, collaboration, organization, and reading. So if we can help our kids just mold them into that, um, they're just going to be successful whether they go into college or whether they go into the career field right out of school. And so we just made sure that. Um, everyone got trained on um, information that would help them help their students. And then um, after that, we're also working, um, we have a PPL bingo on our campus, yeah. um, which is really great. And we have a square for AVID. Um, so it challenges a teacher to implement any type of Wicker strategies um, into their classroom um, so that, you know, our students are seeing it across the board.
0: And just for people who don't know because they're not at Kane, PPL Bingo is y'all's personalized professional learning game that you're playing in order to promote a forever learner culture on campus. And Wicker strategies, those are strategies specifically created by AVID. Is that correct? They're kind of like shared strategies okay. from, oh, okay. you know, but it is, it's the like writing, inquiry,
1: collaboration, oh, organization, okay. and reading. Awesome.
0: And anyone can use those, like you said. Yes, absolutely. Students, general ed, yes, ELL. CTE, like yes. every,
1: and then, and it just helps scaffold every kid. So especially with our ELL learners, a lot of things that are good teaching strategies are ELL strategies that help every single student learn.
0: And while I was an admin on this campus, I just appreciated that you aren't an admin. You're not a counselor. You're a teacher mm-hmm. who's really investing in the college career readiness push that we have. And not just because it's in our accountability system, but really kids just need to know that kind of information. And being a former CCR teacher, I know <laughs> that a lot of times they're not getting that information anywhere else. And it's not Absolutely. a knock on parents. So a lot of times it, in the past, it hasn't been pushed as much. Mm-hmm. And so I remember teaching PATH, which is kind of a sister subject of AVID, and remembering kids being like, I had no idea about this. And it's just basic things. Yes. And, and, and inc- included with the more specific things for college care readiness, but like roommate choices. Right. You know, things like that people don't think about um, or kids don't know about. Unless they're really seeking that information out.
1: Yes. And a lot of students, you know, a lot of our AVID kids from when I used to teach at Forest and now at Kane, kids who get through this and they go into their junior year and they have all of this information and then their friends are starting to learn it at the beginning of their mm-hmm. senior year or just start to apply when the AVID students have really had that opportunity to already figure out what their essays are, have mm-hmm. them edited and yeah. apply at the beginning of their senior year. So they're done.
0: Um, it's incredible. So all they have
1: to do is scholarships. So it's a it's a great thing. And I wish every kid had that opportunity. Is it still
0: geared towards the middle of the ground kids? And when you say middle of the ground, can you give like a brief?
1: Right. So students, um, you know, in our classrooms, we tend to focus on the kids who are struggling in our class and the kids who we need to push to that might be in pre-AP level, but they're in an on-level class. So we're trying to challenge them as well. And then there's kids who are in the middle who just do what they need to do. Um, but and probably have the potential to be far greater than what they're doing. And so we tap into that potential, and we put them in um, pre-AP, AP classes, and then we have tutorials twice a week in the classroom where college tutors come in and help us facilitate tutorials.
0: And I think you have this natural maternal part to you. I don't know. I get that <laughs> vibe when I'm around you and I've been around you for a year and a half now, but or I guess a little bit longer than that now, but um, it's almost like having an extra mom on campus. It's, yes. Yeah. It's like kids can come to you literally. And it's, I love that it's targeting students that are just okay with getting by mm-hmm. because, unfortunately, sometimes in classrooms you see that number growing. Like, okay, I got a 70. so passed, passed. I'm good. Yes. And it's like, no, you want to be better. And and it's building that ambition in them through college and career readiness. And I'm sure not all of your kids go to college uh, or do all of them usually. Actually, okay. all of them. Oh, all and of if them. They, wow.
1: Depending on financial okay. reasons, they might go to um, community, community college. college. Okay. Uh, Lone Star. However, for the most part, pretty much every kid um, attends some type of college outside. Uh, We've had some kids go into the military, but have their college paid for through the military. That's incredible. Um, So yes. And AVID has really created has made me the mom on campus. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember my first group cause we go through cohort cohorts. So we take them from their freshman year to their senior year. And I was just boohoo crying. Yeah, like they were my yes. own children leaving. And um, because the relationship that you built yes. with them in those four years and the stories you learn about them and um, how you help them um,
0: relay that message to the colleges of, of how great of a kid they are. So, And it's I great. can't relate to that more because the last graduation I had when I was a teacher it was that I was crying so hard <laughs> that I'm like on the graduation floor I'm like is this happening? I could not yes. emotionally compose this all. I'm like there goes my baby. <laughs> yes. It's so embarrassing because yes. like everyone else is just like dun 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 and I'm like, hu, hu. I'm like hugging them when they come off I mean, I'm sure parents thought like this woman's emotionally unstable but really no. it's just like you get so attached to them like you said mm-hmm. it's so different than a regular core con Content class, Because you see those kids and you get attached to them and it's 10 months with someone spending yes. every day with them weekdays of their life. That's pretty mm-hmm. intense. In but when you spend years and the most formidable years of like a person's life, yes. people don't understand that connection unless you've taught an elective and you can really get in there. And so mm-hmm. those are some of my favorite years. I've it, taught different it, things, <laughs> speech, English, but those yeah. CCR classes. Are I have favorite. no idea how I got picked for this. However, <laughs> I just
1: feel like so honored yeah. to be able to work with these kids in the way. And I definitely see all of that as – who I was when I was in high school and how I didn't, you know, push myself until a teacher showed me how to. So
0: that's great. And you're perfect for it. You really do have the skill set and it's unique to you. So speaking of insisting on high expectations and care for that whole learner in your class, and obviously you have an avenue to be able to do that because of the content you teach. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some ways that you think teachers can incorporate The same kind of not skills that you're doing, but the same kind of intentionality that you have in their own classes. I don't know if AVID kind of teaches that for campuses, but how can teachers listening to this are like, okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know about AVID. I teach math. How can you Mm -hmm. incorporate some of those things?
1: So, I'm actually a math teacher as well. I teach Algebra
0: One. Mm -hmm. um, But when I first started,
1: I was a history and a math teacher. And so, being able to get back into a core classroom and kind of (sighs) implement the strategies I've been teaching for so long has been awesome. Um, And so, a few things that I love doing is getting to know my kids, especially I know that we always say um, at the door, meeting them and greeting them, um, seeing them how their day is, because that's really going to determine. What your classroom is going to be like for the next forty-five yeah. minutes <laughs> or really? fifty yeah. minutes, um, but then also getting to know them through what they, um, what they, what they like, what they're interested in, um, making sure that you go see them in those things mm-hmm. like the musical yeah. games, um, making sure that they see you um, because they know, you know, there's that old quote where it's like. Um, People don't know how don't care how much you know until they sh- you show them how much you care, mm-hmm. and that's really what it is. Yeah. As soon as you show them um, and get to know them, and you know, in math, I start relating um, different word problems and start using those kids like, oh well, uh, yeah. Ahmad ha- scored yeah. three goals. This you know, and so just using them as examples, then they're really excited and they can see how they're a part of it. Um, and so, really making sure that that happens, and always making sure that they know that passing is not what our goal is. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of kids are just saying, oh, I'm good on passing. I'm good. I'm good. Um, But I really push my kids to make sure that they know that passing is just the minimum of what you know. And you probably know far more than this. And effort is the biggest thing that you can
0: take away from. I was a big believer in, along the same lines of what you're saying, self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, there's so many research research pieces and stories that say, like, when teachers treated them like they were not as smart as they were, the class did not perform as well and mm-hmm. vice versa. So I love that you say that it's not the minimum is passing. Yes. It's not, this is not what you should be going for. Um, and you're absolutely right. Getting to know your kids and and – letting them see you. And I know a lot of times teachers have still so many responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I remember feeling that way, even as a teacher myself, but what I heard one time was someone said they would bring their kids with them. Mm -hmm. And, and that they brought them with them frequently and so their kids were surrounded by students who were involved in stuff and they were kind of a model for those for their own children and so even if you have a family and you're busy bring them up there to your students game with you so yes. they can see these kids who are being involved in teamwork and having different character traits being worked on through these sports or Choir concerts or theater, etc. So yes, and our students love yes, seeing our families, so yeah. they're really
1: excited. I don't have my own children; my, yeah. my students are my children. Of um, but I do bring my dad, and they're so excited <laughs> to meet my dad because he's yeah. a big kid
0: anyway. And it ma- well, and it makes you more personable to them yes. like, okay, she's a real person, even though I think we're kind of past that now mm-hmm. because of where we're at with internet and things like that. But I remember seeing a teacher in public when I was a kid, and I was like, oh, she's at the grocery store, and I couldn't <laughs> stop staring. I'm grocery. like, what is she doing here? <laughs> you know. Yes. But I don't think it's that same way when you're in an elective, because you get to be personable with them. And there's so many more um, instances where you can be a little bit more, I don't know, realistic than you maybe can with algebraic reasoning or something like that. So, (laughs) okay. So when, so moving towards your student council kids, Mm -hmm. um, and really when you're looking at these high expectations and focusing on them as whole learners, and there's all these different aspects than just the kid that's in our class, uh, what benefits have you seen in the way that the class lends itself to empowering them as current and future leaders? So um,
1: our biggest thing at the beginning um, of our of our year is they really get to meet together, and um, I'm a big proponent. And I've talk about my favorite book. My favorite book is Starting with Why by Simon Sinek, um, and I really feel like this ultimately determines our goal and our path for um, what we are planning to do as a student council for the year so my officers and committee chairs meet together they talk about what our goals are they look over different um, why statements and they really say okay this is our focus this is the um, focus that we have in everything we do we're going to make sure that we hit these five main why statements um, because uh, you know it's no one cares how much you do. They just, they want to know how much you care. And so, um, our biggest why statement over the last two years that I've been at Kane is, um, helping, um, address the general welfare of all students. And so in everything that we do, we make sure that every student is taken care of, whether it's, um, a Valentine's Day heart with their name and a cute little message for every single kid and Mm -hmm. staff member, or, um, something where we do clothespins for Operation Beautiful and making sure that kids see the beauty within themselves and who they are as people. Um, It's just something that we really drive strive to do. And so uh, not only that, but my students actually create a leadership statement at the beginning of our class. Individually or the
0: class? as Individually,
1: but then they work together to create their group statement. And then throughout the year, they get to evaluate themselves and they peer evaluate each other because they work to implement all of these projects within our school. And so they know what they're doing and what they're not doing. And it's all about this one statement. So we divide that statement into different questions. Um, How are we promoting the general welfare? How do you communicate um, and encourage others to be leaders in the future? Um, How do you find the strengths within someone and build upon those? And so um, they really get to evaluate. And then we meet one-on-one, me and the student, and we talk about the things that they have great strengths in and the things that they could work on. And so we have a plan of growth. And so it really helps our kids to – develop into the leaders that they want to be in every aspect. And not only just what they think they're developing, but also what the peers are, who the, the peers that they're working with every single day are
0: helping to determine that as well. One of the reasons I chose you for a podcast episode is because of the things you're doing in these classes can so easily be transitioned to other content areas. Like all these amazing things that you're doing. And if you came up with all these, this is incredible. Um, But seriously, they can do these things in an English class, a social studies class. I just want the listeners to know this can be done in different parts of an educating system. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't just have to be done in an elective that's specific for leadership or college and career readiness. Like kids can get together and make goals in, a social studies classroom and they can have their why statements and come down to having those different things be tied to everything they're doing in a classroom. We have a profile of the students. That'd be a great start for teachers who are like, how do I get started on this? But all these things that you're doing, having conversations with a teacher, Mm -hmm. people don't realize, especially there were some years I taught speech. A lot of kids don't know how to communicate in a quote-unquote professional way. Absolutely. Um, and it's not their fault, and no. it's not a hit towards teenagers. That's a great way to communicate when you're talking to other teenagers. Mm-hmm. But this is a great time to hone those skills of communicating in a professional way. And so people don't realize just having conversation with one student one-on-one can really help their communication levels. And then you talk about communicating and encouraging others. Yes. That's something that has to be deliberate on most pe- humans' part period. Even as adults, not Mm -hmm. every adult looks for the strength. I don't do that for every single person I meet. I try to, but we're human, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. So for teenagers, sometimes I'll never hear that. And it's, again, not anybody's fault, but for you to be creating those skills and the kids, I literally Mm -hmm. get goosebumps because it's just so great (laughs) that you can put that in your courses, but now people, and maybe listening to this podcast can have their mind be generating ideas about how they can do these things. Because I know a lot of times when people teach specific contents, it's difficult for them to think outside of that. Like, well, I don't have time to teach whole learner things that I'm trying to do. I know math is one that I hear a lot from math teachers. Like it's difficult to, you know, because there's specific, you know, things that you guys have to teach. I mean, everybody has scope and sequence, but, <laughs> but little things like your, and I say little, but one of my favorite things working here and seeing was, and I heard a teacher talk about this the other day, the Valentine's Day hearts. And you all you'll do it for thousands of students, and every single person has a heart. Yes. That's something a teacher can do in their classroom. Absolutely. Just pointing out the 30 kids, 150 kids you have, the 200 kids you have and making sure, like, you are seen for you. You're not just a number. You're not just another kid in your desk, so.
1: And something that I do with all of my kids in, um, in, on my roster is um, those little thing cards at, you know, the teacher supply store that yeah. say happy birthday. Yeah. So I do that at the very beginning of the year. The first week of school, I get my roster, and I just go ahead and make the whole year of birthdays. And so, um, you know, for me, I have about 120, and for some... Some teachers they may yeah. have more or less, um, and so I just go ahead and write those out. And I was a summer birthday. I know you're a summer yes. birthday too. So I always <laughs> celebrate half, about the exactly. <laughs> so I always celebrate half birthdays. Right. So yeah, you know, so those kids idea. really get it, and they're so excited because it yeah. comes with a little sticker and it yeah. has a little card. And you would think that high school kids would be like, yeah. now they love they it. They love it. And so the kids who've had me more than one year, they already have them in the front of their binder, their avid binders, and
0: um, so they keep those each year. And so. I, I used to do Vista Print. Because mm-hmm. you can get hundreds of cards printed really cheap. So i just do like a generic happy birthday message on there and do the yes. same thing. I would actually write them out every time it was their birthday. But that's smart to do ahead of time. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you're right. Like stickers. It doesn't matter how old they are. But yeah. like the smelly stickers. They love them. The, yes, they love them. And I remember one year I gave – my last year of teaching, I gave my seniors like ring pops. I was like, here's your senior ring. And they just beamed. I thought it was <laughs> going to be so cheesy. And I'm like, they're going to think this is dumb. <laughs> they're totally going to make fun of me. But I still have pictures in my phone of them like holding up their rings. And I can't talk about it too okay. much. I'll get emotional. but. <laughs> Because that was my favorite year <laughs> ever. But um, yeah, I just love that. There's so many easy things you can do. And really, if you're not a naturally creative person, and not everybody is, and that's completely okay. The but, internet, like, oh god, so many. Go to Pinterest. Like, yes. And I know I'm not saying that right. But, like, there are so many ideas on there that I'm like, maybe I should do this now. And I don't even have to <laughs> <laughs> Yes. No. It, yeah. I mean, it,
1: um, just things, I and mean, we get those ideas, um, for student council, even for our, our, the teachers on our campus, yeah. like, oh, we need to do this for the teachers. They would love that. Even though, you know, it's something that a That's teacher cute. would give a student. They're so excited. The to kids do say for, that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That might cute. my kids are like, yes, let's, let's, let's take care this. of the teachers. So, yeah, I think, yes. I think right now too, and I said this on a previous episode, this generation is thinking outside of themselves a lot. And I'm not going to say more than another generation. I just see it with this generation nationally, like in Mm. news, in media. And it's just, it's cute to hear you say that they care about the teachers too. Like, it's not just, let's do it for each other. Let's do something for the teachers. And I don't know if we were that aware when we were in school. I don't think I was. So my last question is just, what advice do you have to other educators when talking about displaying possibility, optimism, and hope through their careers to their students? I saw a quote there on Twitter that it said, you should be teaching so passionately that someone should be sitting in a desk thinking, I want to do this when I grow up. So what kind of advice do you have for educators? So actually, that's
1: why I went into education. is because I had this sophomore English teacher at Klein Oak, uh, Miss Newton, who uh-huh. completely honed in on my potential and said, you will not do the minimum anymore and, um, pushed me to, to be the teacher that I am. And so, um, I feel like, uh, every day when I come into to school, it's never a job for me. Mm-hmm. I just know that I get to, I hate to say this, but I get to play. Yeah. I get to have fun and I get to interact with kids and that's an honor to do. And so like whenever we come to school, I know that sometimes when I'm in algebra, I have to be focused on the content, but more importantly, I'm focused on the kid mm-hmm. and looking at their facial expression and looking at um, if they're getting it or they're frustrated. I know I was not a math kid when I was younger either, <laughs> so Maybe I, I either. <laughs> so I totally understand what those yeah, look like, yeah. um, and and just getting to know that student um, and and seeing the optimism because as soon as you can see them for who they are. It's so much, they know that you're there for them. Mm-hmm. And um, that is that is probably the biggest advice is seeing every kid for who they are because they're so different mm-hmm. and there's so many different stories um, throughout your day that walk into your classroom and get to impact your life as long as you allow it.
0: Yeah. And so just being open to that. I completely agree with it. I remember my last year, unfortunately, I had two students pass away a month apart from each other. And uh-huh. because I taught an elective, It was two different periods and it impacted me so much because I saw an empty desk Mm -hmm. and I had regrets. I'm like, did I ask that kid enough questions? Did I know... One of them had a pregnant girlfriend at the time and I didn't even know that. Um, he was a quieter cl- a quieter kid. But I had regrets after that happened. I thought, oh my gosh, if I just would have asked him more about his life. And I talked to my kids and I got to know them. That was an important part of my classroom. But it just made me look at teaching completely differently, which is crazy because at that point it had been eight years. Mm-hmm. But I I never the rest of that year it was the most bonded I'd ever been to any of my classes. I mean, we cried, to, you know, you don't break that barrier a lot. So we cried together, we had loss together, but it made me look at my kids so differently, and I made sure by the end of that year that I had asked more questions than I had ever asked before, mm-hmm. and that I got to know every single kid more than I had ever gotten to know before because it hit me so hard that I was like, I could have asked. I could have done more because we're in a people career, yes, you know, and so why not take advantage of those relationships because we can learn just as much from the kids that they can learn from us. Yes, probably sometimes more yeah. because
1: of – they live in completely different lives mm-hmm. than we do. And so I feel like this career changes you in a way that no other career mm-hmm. can change you because of the relationships that you get to build and the progress that you get to see and um, just the impact that you can have yeah. if you allow yourself to. Um, I think because of that, this this career is like no other career.
0: And fair warning, it's messy. I, you know, like, I <laughs> remember being 22 and asking like every kid like, are you okay? And then I get this whole story and I would go to lunch and I'd tell my coworkers and they'd be like, well, why'd you ask if they were okay? I'm like, because she was crying. Like, <laughs> yes. But I would, it would care. I carry it through my day and I was 22 at the time. So I just got out of college. I didn't mm-hmm. really know how to, you know, separate work and all that yet, but I would take it with me all day long and it didn't get much better the longer I taught, but I was able to, you know, deal with it and process it better. Yes. But I'll never forget some of those coworkers saying, well, the first problem is you asked what was wrong with them. I'm like, Because they're a human being and something's wrong. Like, why would you not ask that? You know, I hope that you do that with adults or kids, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's messy and it can become a lot sometimes, but it's just worth it in the end. So, okay. I love that we just got done talking about that. So I want to wrap it up with what's one favorite thing in education right now for you? Um, I think, uh, when
1: I think being more culturally relevant yeah. um I think before it was taboo I remember when I was graduating from college there was a book called um things my uh, lies my teacher told me okay. that had come out and my professor was like you have to read this you have to read this before you become a history teacher and I read it and it just being more relevant and and um, making kids aware of everyone who's around them mm-hmm. I think that is the biggest thing because um whether you're in a school that is um all the same in ethnicity or completely diverse yeah. It's so important that you know about different cultures yeah. and understand them because our kids are going into different careers. Mm-hmm. Some of them have not even been explored yet or even identified yeah. yet. Um, and they're going to be um, working with different people every single yeah. day. And so it's important that we um, create our the society that we want to live in um, with our future.
0: I love it. All right. So what's one favorite thing in general, like in life right now? Oh, my life. <laughs> Wait, like, um, I love well, at work. I know. <laughs> I exactly. like my costume lights.
1: <laughs> um, well, actually, because of Avid, okay. this is, it all started because of Avid. Okay. However, um, my very first Put year. Put that on a shirt. Of teaching, like... <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, my very first year of teaching, I taught long-term and short-term goals. Okay. And my long-term goal um, was to do a triathlon and my oh. kids told me, well, if we're doing it, then you have to do your long-term goal. And so like my first year I started doing the triathlons and that got me into half marathons and oh, okay. into marathons. And so more recently I've taken up weightlifting and I love it. Yes. I love the strength. I love challenging myself. I was a swimmer in high school and okay. college. And so having that physical yeah. challenge again, um, and growth in myself and seeing that, like, I'm almost 40 and I'm still doing this is like, yeah, oh God, you
0: look amazing. I think you no. do.
1: I can you're almost
0: 40. And I like that too because it probably releases a little bit of, you're probably not an overly stressed person, but I know you have a million plates in the air. Yeah. It probably helps you with self care. Yes. Do you totally notice a does. difference I, there?
1: I create my, I have a date for myself yeah. pretty, like, three to four times a week. And, um, it just makes me leave school <laughs>
0: yeah. and
1: it makes me go and work out and,
0: and enjoy it.
1: At first it was like a struggle, but yeah. now it's like, yeah, you enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Yes. And it's so good that you said you have to make an appointment. Cause I think we talked about this in another episode too, but you literally do have to put it in your calendar. I know I have to, because yes. there's not enough. Like I just told some other day, if I could get two more hours during the day and two more hours at night, like I would be set. Absolutely. If there was 28 <laughs> hours in the day. My life would be easier. I mean, so we have to it on the calendar because we're all so busy. Like it exactly. doesn't matter if. You have a million kids at home, none at home, or, you know, if you're doing a million extracurricular activities or not, it's just everybody's busy. So I love that. Okay. And you touched on your favorite book a little bit, but yes. can you give us like a brief description on what that book is and why you love it? So, um,
1: start with why is by Simon Sinek and he has the golden circle, which talks, he, I mean, if you've never heard of it, you can go to YouTube and yeah. see his Ted talk. There's actually like a five minute one and that a 17 one. minute one. So good. Um, and it really talks about how a lot of people know what you do and some people know how how you do it, but very few people know why you do it. And that's how great companies exist. And that's how, that's kind of like how great people ultimately um, determine like how they're going to live their life. And so for me as a teacher, my why is so important every single day when I walk in. And, um, and, and that's kind of, how my career has been led. I just didn't know how defining that so um, succinctly would be so important to me. And so that's why I teach my kids of finding their why. And it really yeah. goes with the promise to purpose mm-hmm. and, you know, making sure that whatever we're doing it continually
0: Helps our kids, yeah, and that always goes goes back to that, which should Mm -hmm. be our way. Yes. And a fun fact: one of my favorite all-time Secret Santa gifts (laughs) was that book by you. (laughs) you. I'm like, this person knows me, (laughs) and of course, it was you. I I think I've put leadership books down on those questionnaires for years, and you finally got me one. Yes. Yes. And I think you gave me the workbook too, so I like, I yeah, I read it and I loved it, and it was great. So thank you so much. I'm so glad you were on here. I just can't wait for the district to hear everything that you're doing because everything you're doing can be modeled for other teachers um and it's all easy stuff that can be put in any content area and really it just comes down to knowing your kids loving your kids and loving what you do so yes. thank you for what you do here at kane we're so excited to have you thank you um, in our district for so many years and leading our college and career readiness class of avid and stuco and of course algebra one yeah. which is <laughs> always so important for college too so thanks for thanks for visiting with us today thank you very much I hope you enjoyed our conversation about empowering the youth we serve and holding them to standards that challenge them to grow. I'm so glad Antoinette described what AVID is and how it, it gives insights to our listeners who don't know about the awesome opportunities that class offers high school students. I love how she talks about incorporating student relationship building and how easy it is to push students to be personally successful past the average mark. I'm encouraged by her student council's goal to keep the why at the center of what they do. And I'm even in more awe about their goal to keep everyone's general welfare at the heart of what they do. What a better place the world would be if we could always consider others' welfares and the action we carry out each day. Let's make that our personal ambition as we reflect on this episode. As always, you can find us on any podcast platform. And I'd like to extend the invitation to our listeners to leave a review on the platform that you use. I'm grateful for the current five-star rating, as it's a testament to the amazing guests we've had and what they do for education in our system. Stay tuned for our next episode, as it will be a deep dive into visible learning and growing student achievement. Thanks for listening. And until next time, here's to taking our learning and transforming the world.